1: Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And
0: I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights.
1: And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So I did this... Super fun thing last night. That was not watching primary results because we're going to talk about that in a minute. That was also super fun, but I someone in my office is in a improv troupe at the Source Theater. Have you done this? Have I have you, not. Have you seen this? It's a free show. I don't know when, how many times it's on, but you know, with all these like real improv troupes, and so the whole office went, or most of the office went. Um, on Fourteenth Street by Bar Pilar, and it was uh, ASL. There was someone. There were folks signing like in comedic sign language, like they were trying to kind of ham it up along with the folks. And one of them, like really, the woman really looked a lot like you. Like, she oh was, gosh! Like she had That's like awesome. she had like an electric <laughs> blue sweater that like it looked like she was gonna be like daytime TV Kristen, and then by night she was signing for the improv troop. I was I was like. This is, looks like just like Kristen, and this is so
0: funny. Anyway, folks Maybe should go check it out. Maybe I have a host copy. Like, it's like Westworld, <laughs> and there is a robot host Kristen out there who has picked up some very interesting hobbies on the side right. that like, I'm just it's unaware like of.
1: Kind of adjacent to, you know, daytime Kristen, but not totally. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> but folks should check it out. It was super fun at the sort of Washington Improv. Troop. Anyway, um, or theater, Washington improv Theater. Anyway, it was super fun. That is like another fun thing you could do in addition to watching awesome Democratic candidates win all over the country. But Kristen, what are the top lines. I don't want to get ahead of myself.
0: Top lines this week. Last night was primary night in many states. There were some surprises out there. Maryland's Democratic primary, some of the results coming out of New York. The pollsters also nailed it in other places like South Carolina. We'll take a quick overview of last night's results and how they stack up to the polls that tried to predict them then senate and house outlook broadly we'll look at some polling coming out of places like arizona florida and more then we'll go national. Trump's economic job approval has stayed strong. Will this fight with Harley-Davidson and the battle over trade change this? And how are people feeling about the midterms generally? Margie's got a new Navigator poll out that we'll discuss. We'll talk a little bit about the gender gap among millennials. You'll never <laughs> guess who wants to vote for which party. Uh, and then is healthcare the ooh, ooh, under... me, me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> is healthcare the me. undercover big issue facing the GOP? More more so than the stuff that dominates cable news. And next week is the 4th of July. So we will look at the fave-un-fave of freedom.
1: Yes. So first, our poll of the week. There was there were tons of elections in Maryland, in Montgomery County, which is where I live and where Richard, our producer, lives. And um Uh, It was really exciting to vote. My mother-in-law, who is Josephine, who is sitting in the studio with us today, actually came with me to vote. And it was the first time she had been to voting in the United States because she is not a United States citizen. So she came with me to vote. And the only candidate in the gubernatorial primary on the Democratic side to have one of my children in their ad won. So I don't know. Correlation does not imply causation, but Beckett was in the Ben Jealous announcement video.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And, like, you know, when you see those si- like images of, like, patting a little feet. And I looked at it yesterday because I, I wanted to, like, you know, show it to my mom just as, like, a reminder. And I'm like, how long ago was this video? Because I could not – I mean, he was, like, a really, like, a little, like, teeny tiny feet. He wasn't, like, a big monkey man that he is now. Um. But anyway, so Ben Jealous won, which was – um. I thought pretty like that was a good, exciting outcome for my husband who worked for him. And um, and not inconsistent with the polling, which showed it neck and neck with Baker or Sharon Baker and um, Ben Jealous, although probably not as clear of a sign that Jealous was going to win as perhaps yeah, you would think. I, I
0: don't know. I, I think I have a different take. I think this was not well predicted by the polls. The polls here, if you look at the RCP... Uh, listing, I mean, but it goes back pretty far. I, I'm trying not to look at the ones going back. You know, I guess you did have the Washington Post poll showing Ben Jealous up five, um but with a ton of undecided folks going to other candidates and such. Um but I mean, he won by double digits yeah. and and the polls, you know, of the three polls that came out, one had him tied, one had Baker up by two. i I, I don't know that I think this was a win. For I the wonder pollsters. yes, we don't
1: know. I don't know the details of why this would be the case. But, you know, I guess everybody going into it thought it was going to be a, you know, a two person race, is it? Or at least there were two clear front runners. So um, and anyway, it's I think it's I was pretty excited by our field. Generally, I thought Democrats had a lot of really good candidates, obviously, really incredibly diverse fields. Um, You know, I'm excited to see Ben Jealous and Susie Turnbull go on to November. There were tons of races, I should just note, in Montgomery County where we live. So, a good friend of mine, Hans Riemer, who I've known for 20 years, got re-elected to Montgomery County Council at large. He was the only incumbent where you have to pick four candidates of, like, how many, Richard? 30 candidates? 33, on the ballot. 33 candidates? You had to pick Yikes. four? I mean, there were probably, like, 280 candidates on the ballot. I mean, not that many, but it was a lot for everybody in Montgomery County and the primary. was crazy. And, um, and one of the other people who won, folks should know, We I think we talked about the New York Times study a few weeks ago that had um, – that, like, focused on the upward mobility of black boys versus white boys. And they focused on somebody in that story because one of the few places where that upward mobility was a lot more possible, is Silver Spring, which is in uh, Montgomery County, and they focused on somebody in that story, Will Jawando and his story. And he also won – the one of the four slots. So folks who, that's how I'm tying it all together. So if you read that story, you heard us talk about it, and you if you listened to The Daily or if you read that, you would have seen Will Jawanda's story. He was one of the other um, people. So, um, so anyway, that's all.
0: Yeah. That's and mine. if you're a Republican, the good news that you have is that according to that Washington Post University of Maryland poll, which again was the closest- I believe, to predicting the correct result on the Democratic side. When they do general election matchups, they still have Hogan up 51 percent to uh, Jealous at 39 percent. So Hogan is in a good position. No one, no Republican is safe in 2018. But uh, again, for as blue a state as Maryland is, that's a pretty good place for Hogan to be. And whenever Morning Consult does one of those what are all of the approval ratings for all of the governors in America? It's like Hogan and Charlie Baker tend to be toward the top of that list, even though they're Republicans in pretty blue states. And and again, I, you know, it's no Republican is safe. No Republican is safe. But if you're Hogan, that's a that's a pretty decent poll number. Mm-hmm. Um, The only ad that I have seen and maybe I'm just not right watching the right TV channels or maybe there's really only one candidate in all of this that has money to go up on the air in the. DC media market was I saw so many David Trone TV ads so many so many but he was victorious and right he won. He yes it off.
1: yes he won second time's <laughs> a charm you know yeah no he won against uh the I think the second the person who came in second, Aruna Miller, who I know a lot of folks were were rooting for, um, not the district that I live in, but but one of the competitive congressional primaries in Maryland. But the, I think that was less of big news than what happened to Rep.
0: Crowley. That yes. made a lot of news. And there's no, there was no polling ahead of time on that race. No. So even less than, I mean, the the parallel that people are making. Some people say to use the <laughs> construct of our president. Some people are saying uh, that this is similar in nature to Eric Cantor's surprise defeat at the hands of Dave Bratt, where you had someone who is in leadership, on track to be speaker perhaps one day, who through neglect of their own district is able to be taken out by sort of an upstart that harnesses the energy of the grassroots and sends a shockwave. Obviously, a 28-year-old Latina socialist is very different than a Tea Party politics professor from the Richmond suburbs. like. They're not the same. Right. But I am. And, and Nate Silver had a good uh, tweet, which was like for people who are saying that this is some bellwether for the identity of the Democratic Party. Like you have to also explain all of the insurgents who don't win in their challenges right. to incumbents. Right. So, it, you know, this is an uh, it is a jaw-dropping moment, but is it necessarily indicative of anything broader? In the Republican case, it kind of was. You know, there was a debate at the time, well, is this signifying that there is some sort of struggle for the soul of the GOP and the grassroots don't like the establishment and they're going to, you know, and kind of, I have always talked about it as the precursor to Trump, that it was, it's the first scene in the movie where the first victim gets got by, you know, and so... Is this the same? I don't know. But certainly on the Republican side, there was a discussion. Was this meaningful or was this just Eric Cantor did not pay enough attention to his district and this is what happens? And it turned out, I think, to be somewhat meaningful and indicative of what was coming in the future.
1: Right. I, you know, it's hard to say, right? I think people I also think people want to write a story about, like, Democrats are divided. It's not just Republicans who are divided. It's Democrats who are divided, too. You know, that's something that I've complained about on this show a bunch, because if you look at the issues and if you look at like the positions that Democrats share, there is a lot of unity, whether it's feeling, you know, rejecting Trump or stronger gun laws or abortion or taxes or health care. I mean, you name it, there is a lot of unity on the left. Um, This sort of sense that the Democrats are in as much of disarray as Republicans is just is just not there. I mean, we talk about this where you know, pollsters need to release top lines that show Trump Republicans versus non-Trump Republicans because there is a big divide there. It's not really like that in the same way on the Democratic side. So so I reject that. Now, that said, there is a—and I don't think we should confuse the two—like, what does it mean to have a Democrat, demographic shakeup in, you know, the people who win primaries on the Democratic side? And it is not, you know— and is is it it does it reflect does it now finally reflect the actual democratic party itself the members of the democratic party always have you know this is democratic party you know primary voters have always been disproportionately female that's not New. This didn't happen this year. That's been true, you know, since I've been doing this. So that's you know. So some of these things are not new. We now are are selecting people in our primaries who are more reflective demographically. Attitudinally, I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure that there's like a consistent trend. I mean, we're talking about. I mean, that was a urban district that that's you know that's different than. Nebraska. That's different than I mean. All these places are different. So you know, like the take that I don't I can't remember who said it that everyone sort of piled on and dragged on Twitter last night. Like this is going to hurt Democrats in the Midwest. <laughs> oh, that crowded. was
0: Kaylee McEnany.
1: No, there was a reporter. It was. Oh, like, it was oh, a reporter. Okay. No, I, it wasn't like a. I saw
0: Kaylee McEnany's thing that said like stunning. this was a sign of a red tsunami. No, like, I mean only red if you mean like socialist no, red, like no. like red China. <laughs> I am not. I am dismissing like that not take. Gonna, I I I figured that was not the take you were citing. I am
1: just being – I don't have time for that – to be outraged at at her take (laughs) because that's – you know, her job is to have outrageous takes. But somebody like – somebody who I felt like should have known better but whose name escapes me had a a take that was like – you know, it's just – you know, it's like bubble within bubble within bubble and – You know, at the same time, it's it is darn exciting to see all these candidates around the country. Like it is, I don't want to dismiss that and say, well, it's not really happening because it is happening and it is awesome. And it is not just young women; there are older women running in primaries around the country who, you know, maybe they don't get the same kind of treatment, but they are also really awesome. I mean, there are there are tons of really exciting candidates out there. Well, and this
0: is a digression from our polling stuff, but there's a really great. Perry Bacon Jr. 538 story out right now that kind of dives into, like, why isn't this also happening on the Republican side? Um, And this is a I have been working on some research uh, sort of separate from the Perry Bacon story on kind of understanding this question. And the results there were really fascinating. And I think part of it goes to that morning consult poll we talked about a week or two ago, where Democrats are much more willing to to not just say, like, look, men and women are the same, but rather that, like, women actively are better than men at certain things that right. we need in government. And Republicans just aren't su- willing to go there. That They think if you start saying, well, women are good at X, does it mean that women are bad at, o- at other things? And, like, they just don't even want to get right. near that discussion. Um, so while on the Democratic side, 70 percent of a man versus a woman primaries for open seats – have been going to the female candidates right. on the Republican side. It's something closer to forty percent,
1: and there are fewer of them. And it's there are a fewer smaller of them percentage to begin of with. a lower number. Yeah. Um,
0: so on the Republican side, the I mean, you have like an Elise Stefanik, who is who is sort of this like exciting unicorn on the right. Like right. there are unfortunately not a thousand Elise Stefaniks out there throwing their hat in the ring to run for Congress as young women in their twenties or early thirties, um, and. Republicans have to change that if they ever want to, I believe, have more of a chance to win over younger women who they are losing badly with, Right, as we will discuss later on and, in the show.
1: Yes. And this is a heck of a long poll of the week. But, hey, that's what's going on right now. So what can we do? But um, but the question that I don't know, like I, I would love to see more Republican women run and win on the right, even if I disagree with them like that, At least I, win
0: their primaries, even if you don't want to win their general. Primar- right. I
1: mean, right. Like I, like, I think that's great. Like, I would like to see a larger percentage of the Republicans who get elected, whatever that number is, be women. I think that would be good for women nationally, that women who live in Republican areas would have someone they can look up to and feel like reflected them and look like them. Um, and you know i think that would be mean probably lead to better outcomes for women overall and so i don't know if the difference in women on the right is because it's you know, women are not as attracted to Republican Party ideals? Is it because there's not a Republican infrastructure of recruiting and supporting and lifting up and encouraging women to run for office like we do all day long on the left? Like, we literally do that all
0: day long. There are lots of things trying to be the Emily's List (laughs) of the right, but nothing is the Emily's List of the right yet.
1: Yes. And we have not only Emily's List, but like different states have their lists and like other kinds of, you know, adjunct Emily's List type things. So, um, so there's all kinds of stuff like that on the left. Um, Or is it, because, you know, the voters don't want to vote for Republican women at their primary. I mean, it, it, there are a variety of different reasons. I don't know. Someone may know. It's not me what the answer is, but it's a it's a bummer. I hope you fix it, Kristen. I want you to fix it. Um After this show.
0: So (laughs) let's dive into some of this. Let's dive into some of this national environment stuff. So for the first time in a couple of months, we are now seeing a week on week, very slight downward trend in the president's job approval. Um, Approve is now hovering at 42.9 percent as of press time, uh, which is down from, I mean, he was hitting closer to 44 percent before. And one point shifts are not huge, but aggregated across so many polls it is a trend line that has now existed for a few weeks. Um, his polling on his handling of the economy is very good, though. Um, his economic job approval has surged six points, according to some polling from CNBC, compared to where it was in March. Um, his overall approval rating, they showed it rise to 41% um, from their first uh, quarter survey, which still puts it kind of below that average, but but pretty close to it. Um, The people are feeling really good about the economy. And I got asked by um, Ezra Klein, so I suspect he may be writing a piece on this, what did I think about the idea that, look, the economy is good and Trump is getting credit for it, and yet his job approval is still 43%. And in an alternate universe, Would like a President Rubio presiding over this kind of economy, would his job approval be 43% or would it be 53%? It might not be 63%, but would it be higher if it was a more conventional president presiding over this? And I was hesitant to say yes. I said, I thought so. But also that if he had a teleportation device that could take me to Earth 2 where that's happening, I would be more than willing to go and report back. <laughs> okay, mean, and maybe like, actually not report back, just stay there. Where in do I sign up for my Earth? medical exam? Yeah, right. where do I sign up? How do I get a visa to move to that that dimension permanently? Right. Um, it's like... No, I was about to make another Westworld reference. I got to get that show out of my head. The finale, the finale was – I watched season one. Like, I binge watched it away. on like, when
1: I was traveling a couple months ago, and I'm like, this is good. And then the new one, people nope. seem like it's messing with their head. I'm like, maybe, it is. maybe I'm not Last ready for week it. I would
0: have told you to watch it, and then I watched the finale on Sunday. Forget it. Don't do it. Walk away. OK. Walk away now. Save I'll yourself take the that, time. I'll take Go that Go watch advice. Billions or something else. That's the next show I'm going to start. <laughs> pick, a, pick a new show. Yeah. So I, I think it's
1: – well, we'll talk about it because we have stuff about temperaments and stuff that we're going to get to for sure. But I I don't think that a, a another rival Republican president presiding over this economy who is not, like, hate-tweeting America all day would – would would certainly not be less popular would probably well, I, I be don't a little think more that popular. their
0: numbers would be any different among Republicans, right. I mean, Trump's already sort of maxed maxed that out. um i I think it's possible that an alternate universe conventional Republican president presiding over this economy would do better among independents than Trump is and might even be able to pick up some Democrats. on the other hand, the the counter argument I keep hearing in my own mind is just remembering that, like, Oh, Mitt Romney is racist and sexist and like Mitt Romney is like so mild compared to Donald Trump that like the treatment of a conventional Republican does not tend to be as different from the treatment that Donald Trump is getting. And so would we see like Donald Trump's polling numbers are fairly conventionally partisan broke like they break down in a fairly conventional partisan way, even though he's a very unconventional president. So That's my only pushback to would a more conventional president have different numbers? I don't know, because these are kind of conventional numbers.
1: I don't know. I mean, he had no honeymoon whatsoever. He made no, you know, he never has made any outreach to Democrats or independents. You know, like you've seen past presidents like I'm going to nominate someone in my cabinet who's from the other party. And everyone's like, everyone applauds politely. Like, you know, Trump is not, that's not his thing. You know, that's, he hasn't done any of that. And not only has he not done that, he, you know, I mean, we don't need to go through the list of all the grievances, but I mean, he... Appeal. He drags the party further to the right, and never mind appealing to independents and Democrats. So he he's never had any lift or boost with some folks where folks would say, "Well, I did like that thing he did," which you would have in the first year or so with someone from, you know, with someone in a more conventional taking a more conventional posture.
0: Mm-hmm. So now he does, even though this poll shows good news for him on uh, the economy, it does show less good news on immigration only 51 percent or pardon me 51 percent of Americans disapprove of his immigration policies however that's unchanged from last quarter and from last year so those numbers have not changed as a result of the stories around um, the family separation policy which may seem surprising but again if you if you believe that Trump's job approval is just in some ways fairly set in stone by immovable political, polarization forces, that's a less surprising finding. Right. And then if you
1: see, well, what does this all mean for the midterms, which obviously is what people are talking about a lot right now and this week in particular, I mean, the generic ballot is still showing a Democratic advantage of plus six. It's not as high as it's been, but it's not as low as it was a couple weeks ago where That was a moment. It's expanded and and has stayed there. There's been a wave of public polling that shows Democratic advantages in a variety of places. So in Arizona and Ohio, Senate races, you have Democrats there doing quite well with strong leads. Um, Florida – is tighter. I think Florida looks like Florida is going to be tight. You know, it's, mm-hmm. that's just you know that's where that race is. I mean, you have two very well-known candidates. I mean, that that race doesn't seem to be moving around so much. Then Monmouth has been doing. We amplified this on Twitter. I don't know if they're still. I don't know if Patrick is still Patrick Murray. Still taking requests of where they're gonna pull in
0: congressional I like the districts. Idea that it's taking requests. Right. It's like going <laughs> like up and he's, being like, like he's the "Can you of piano play a piano bar the electric yeah. slide?" I'd really like to hear scenes from an Italian restaurant. And also, <laughs> exactly. could you pull like New Jersey yeah. 11?
1: Right. That's exactly what it's like. Um, so Virginia. <laughs> is 10, there even a
0: New Jersey 11? <laughs>
1: yes, there is. Um, so he. Uh, so anyway, he. They released a poll. I say he, they, Monmouth released a poll in Virginia 10. That shows Barbara Comstock down. That's one of the sort of perennial top targeted districts. I think they're coming out with some more. Um, uh, West Virginia poll that they released shows an advantage for Manchin. So that's another Senate race. Anyway, so it shows, you know, uh, polls from different outlets at different times and different places show advantages for Democrats, even as Trump's numbers are, you know, I don't know, do we want to say fine? I guess not getting worse particularly, and doing well on the economy if we're going to be generous. Um, but that hasn't translated to, at least at this moment, uh, benefits for Republican candidates.
0: What was fascinating to me about the Arizona poll um, and as a from time to time card-carrying establishmentarian <laughs> — well, no, <laughs> I actually can't say that anymore now that in my column I have defined establishmentarians as like people who just sort of excuse everything Trump does. So I I am I can't use mm. that that phrase. But this poll showing that Kirsten Cinema actually does performs the same against Martha McSally as against Kelly Ward, I think is very runs counter to the conventional wisdom you would hear among Republicans in town, right. which the idea is, oh, we've got to get McSally through the primary because if McSally wins the primary, then we got a real shot at hanging on to that seat and we'll be good. But if it's one of these other two people and this poll really confirms that like if Joe Arpaio is the nominee, it's lights out like it's oh gosh Um, like right now Kyrsten Cinema is ahead by 25 points and I've I mean I've done focus group research for unrelated clients and projects where when you bring up Sheriff Joe even among like Trump based Republicans they are divided about whether he is like fighting for them or whether he's just kind of a corrupt jerk who is a poor representative of their movement but anyways the fact that Kelly Ward and Martha McSally poll very similarly in this poll I think is a surprise,
1: yeah. If well, you
0: are a beltway
1: type, right? Uh, well, this is an a this is an initial vote, right? I'm assuming I didn't haven't looked at I don't have the top lines in front of me, but I'm assuming the way they've a- released this that these are just you know where the vote is right now, not a. You know, after message testing or profiles, or if you you know compare the two, which one is a better you know candidate in the general? Once people hear more, which I'm assuming some you know, which this poll is not trying to do, but someone is doing. So, establishment folks who say McSally is a better candidate than Ward may be looking at some other kind of simulation and not sort of where the vote is initially. But certainly wouldn't be the first time that an establishment. Group on either side had said had had a contrarian view about a primary candidate's viability than what voters thought. That certainly that certainly is you know a thing everybody everybody does from time to time. Every state will
0: see from time to time. Yep. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Um, so then what are the issues that are going to be driving these midterms? Um, there is some polling out, and I believe this comes to us from our HuffPost pollster friends. Yes. Um, in thinking about this year's midterm elections, which of these two issues are most important to you? Select up to two issues. And health care is in second place among registered voters. It is far and away the top issue for Democratic and Democratic-leading voters. And even for Republican voters, it hovers right there below. Well, immigration is the big number one for Republicans, but then two is the economy. Three is health care. Um and there is some other polling. And and they say, you know, voters want to hear more about healthcare. They then ask, you know, what do you want to hear more about? Um what do you want to hear less about? People don't want to hear about Trump's personality and character. They do want to hear more about health care. Well, um, I hope
1: those people aren't going to listen to the rest of the pollsters episode. And immigration <laughs> well
0: <so> <laughs> and you know I think a big challenge is when you say, OK, well, wh- have you heard GOP candidates in your state mention this issue? Republicans are talking about immigration and the economy, but health care is further down their list. Where for Democrats, health care is further up the list of things that people are not among Democrats, but among what voters are hearing Democrats talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and furthermore, there is a poll that's further down in our script. I think this is, oh, it's Pew Research Center. You know, who do you each which party could do a better job dealing with issue X, Y or Z. Um, Republicans have a lead, a slight lead on or actually a double digit lead on t- dealing with the terrorist threat, um, have a nine point lead on the economy, but on health care have a 16 point deficit. So if healthcare care is this like sl- I don't want to say sleeper issue, but certainly if you turn on cable news as someone who has been on cable news a few times in the last couple of days. Spent a lot of time getting asked about Melania's jacket, have not spent a lot of time getting asked about healthcare. And so what is is this like the sleeper issue that is going to potentially be the thing that really hurts Republicans, maybe even more so than Donald Trump and that it's not really getting a lot of attention. And and I saw you tweet something I know about I this that was I thought was like perfect.
1: So, it's so a couple things. So, one, you know, we found that healthcare is a top issue like on on lots of polls, like on lots of polls in different climates and contexts and so on, it is continues to be a top issue, not just with Democrats, with people overall, because it's a challenge that everybody faces. Um, it's something that lots of families struggle with, and um, and you know it is complicated and, and messy and and personal and expensive. It's it's all those things. So, um, so it's something that we hear a lot. Um, and then the thing that I tweeted that it, that I was I, like sort of irrationally proud of but um, but the you know there was a story I think it was Jonathan Martin's story in New York Times that said like it was at, like Claire McCaskill at the town hall and talking about pre-existing conditions like raise your hand or stand up if you have a pre-existing condition and everybody stands up or something and Joe Scarborough says this is what Democrats should be talking about instead of the red hen and so I I didn't really take it as like he he really thinks that like campaigns are being run on the red hen like this. Just when he said Democrats he did not mean I don't think Democrats running for office. But still people were talking about the red freaking hen for like four or five days. It was seemed like an incredibly long time for that story. To stretch out. I know there were other ways that it got amplified and magnified, but it, I, like I remember turning into. Poli- I'm like, we're still talking about like how is it like every time I open the tour, I'm like, why are we still talking about this? Like Sunday, I get like, why is it still happening? Anyway, so I had quotes like, "Can do, you, can we, <laughs> can we add a question about the red hen? What if we got <laughs> What if we cut the healthcare question?" <laughs> None of my none of my calls today, <laughs> like, because I had like eighty five calls on Monday, and like, and I tweeted that like as I was headed to work, I'm like, this is literally zero people will be asking me about this, and um, and uh, anyway, more people liked this than I expect to. It's just funny; you never know what people are going to like on Twitter. I guess is the moral of this story.
0: I I believe healthcare is one of those issues that is Republicans have to. Given the attempt to repeal and replace that failed and then there have been other legislative actions that have done bits and pieces of repeal and replace around the edges. But I don't know what the consistent healthcare message is from Republicans. But obviously, if you see that issue handling question, if you're down by 16, it's not working. Uh, And if this is an issue that is particularly salient to voters, that could be a big problem.
1: Yeah. Yep. And then also in that... Pew poll. They had um, a gender gap. This is not totally related to this, but this well, it's, is it's a Pew poll
0: about all sorts it's of mid-term, midterm stuff, stuff yeah. and how much, you know, they say, to what extent do you view your vote for uh, for Congress as sort of a proxy as a vote for or against the president? Mm-hmm. And what they found was that um, Republicans now are much more likely to say their vote is a vote for the president than they were in twenty two thousand and six to say that their vote was a vote for President Bush, um, and for Democrats in a way that it's actually showing that Democrats are somewhat less well they're they're basically equivalent when it comes to saying is your vote going to be against Trump in the same way that it would have been against Bush in two thousand and six. Right. Um, Republicans are just sort of rallied around their president a little more now than they were in 06, whereas Democrats appear to be just as opposed to the president.
1: But you have fewer people saying this: the president is not a factor than you typically do in midterms.
0: Yes, although... Um, uh, the, the, aside
1: from maybe Bush 2006 among Democrats.
0: Part of the difference there is that there's that pretty big jump among voters saying their vote is a vote for right. the president. So it's, it's not even just... A a negative. It is in some ways that like Republican voters, the reason that they have come home or the reason that they will turn out at all is not necessarily because they love Republicans in Congress, but because they like Trump and would rather Trump have foot soldiers.
1: Right, like the sort of Mark Sanford thing. Um, Yep. Now, I, I what I don't know the answer to this, and maybe you do or maybe somebody does, which is how much of this effect has to do with the, like, are people shedding their Republican identification? So you have this, you know, Republican demiglass of folks who are, you know, a little bit more of a reduction and – so therefore they're more likely to say they are strong trump folks. So Do you know
0: the answer to that? I I, I got asked that that, is this find question. Out-able. I got asked this question by Jonah Goldberg a couple weeks ago and my digging suggested that it is not as much the case. That when you're looking at say young republicans, the the demiglass <laughs> Uh, point where you know it's been reduced down to a very small right. number, and therefore that small number is pretty trumpy, does hold. But with the broader overall Republican electorate, declines in Republican identification are not new to the Trump era, and so it's hard to attribute. It, the decline has actually been very fairly small mm. since the Trump era. Like the declines began much earlier, and so. You can't really attribute it to, like, people have fled the Republican Party because of Trump. Like, a lot of people fled before that, and it actually has not—the numbers have not reduced as much mm. as you might think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well,
1: that's good to have that comparison. Um, speaking of younger people, though, and
0: the oh, Republican boy. Party,
1: oh, this is the same pupil poll, and they have the generic— vote. And there's a gender gap. There's always a gender gap. It doesn't even matter what kind of year or or there's always a gender gap. And by gender gap, I mean, women are more likely to vote Democratic. Men are more likely to vote Republican. Um, than each other, not necessarily than the other party, um, but among younger people, eighteen to thirty-four, the gender gap is quite massive. Oh yeah, so it's the, like a twenty-point gender gap.
0: This is the the when Pew put out their analysis a couple weeks ago of party ID, they broke out you know over the years who was identified with what party, and um, you know so the millennial numbers kind of start in the mid aughts because that's when they first got, you know, the oldest millennials first got the right to vote. And what it basically showed is that Republicans have done fine among young millennial men and that that trend line, like, doesn't move starting in, you know, 2004-ish moving forward. Like, the numbers stay pretty stable, very slight Dem lean in terms of ID. But the millennial women number just, like, it starts in not a great place and it ends up with, like, D plus 50 on party ID when you... Count leaners. I mean, it was like, what? And so this, when you take a look among millennials, you see um, Republicans actually plus three among uh, millennial men. Um, But among millennial women, they are, and I want to make sure I'm getting this math right, minus 44. Ouch. Minus 44. So it's right in line with that party ID. Yeah. I mean, that is. And when you take a look, I mean, for older women, it's D plus three. Yeah,
1: I mean the gender gap between men. I mean, there's a five, three to five point difference between men and women in their party, you know, preference. It's it's pretty small. But yeah, for there's... the difference between men and women among younger people. So it's not just younger people are more democratic. Younger women are more democratic, and younger men are more younger Republican, men look more a lot like older men. Yeah,
0: actually, in this poll, this one has re- Republicans with a plus five among older men. Yeah. So, yep. It's all about millennial women. So, we have a new Navigator
1: poll out this week, and what was a couple things that were pretty interesting about it. Um, And I think by the time we release the show, the whole thing. Yeah, I guess the whole thing is public, so it's fine. Um, We did a couple cool things. We did a online qual board. So that's a qualitative bulletin board. So people can um, ch- chime in with an online exercise whenever and wherever they want. So they could be in their apartment at three in the morning on one coast, or they could be at work filling it out and answering the questions and, uh, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning, um, responding to each other uh, and responding to our questions. And then we use that tool to ask people to, you know, to go online and find an image that helped them, that they would use to describe Trump or how Trump is on the inside, or what would Trump legacy, what would his legacy be? Or um, what do you think his policy priorities are? What do you think it's like inside the White House? So We had a variety of different questions and asked people to use images. And then we tested those images in an online survey. So this is, again, Navigator for folks who have not been listening, is uh, our partnership, GBA's partnership with a global strategy group for a variety of progressive organizations. um, And folks can go to navigatorresearch.org and everything is downloadable there. So the images that people would suggest, it's such a fun thing to see what people – because it's different than in person. In person, you know, it's hard for people to kind of think outside the box, I think, maybe the way they can when they can go search online for a picture. So, for, for example, for Trump, somebody put um, the Blues Brothers car – Who's, and said, <laughs> well, I like the Blues Brothers. They're entertaining and I think Trump is entertaining. So here's a picture of the Blues Brothers car. And then someone else had put, you know, have you seen Inside Out? I know my mother-in-law's seen Inside Out because my, my kids like Inside Out. But the angry little dude at Inside Out, there's like a red, steamy, <laughs> angry guy like that. Somebody picked that one. Um, so there were all kinds of, you know, it, it funny but also like stark and startling and negative images for all these questions like angry people, people yelling at each other, like the White House, you know, chaos and papers flying everywhere and Uh, you know, like a gold-plated White House that said for sale outside or, you know, like (laughs) angry protesters. Like, I mean, there was a lot of like a a flag with a big, you know, rip in it to demonstrate how divided Mm -hmm. we were. I mean, you know, Trump looking at himself longingly in the mirror as a sign of how narcissistic he was, which turned out in the survey to be like the most descriptive of him. Um, Angry toddler, like a screaming baby or like a man yelling at his his phone, like just a screamy man and phone. I mean, it it, it showed a lot of um, anxiety and tension and stress in these images. I mean, the Blues Brother car aside, and we saw that in the survey. So here are some emotions that people feel about politics. Which ones you feel you have felt since Trump has been elected? And there's a real partisan divide here, like with so many other things, with Democrats particularly likely to say that they have felt angry and exhausted, with Republicans more likely to say... Excited or engaged and interested in taking action than exhausted and angry. But when we break out a variety of individual things like what has made you feel exhausted versus engaged and things like, you know, chaos in the White House, Trump's use of Twitter, et cetera, those exhaust people from both parties. I mean, there is this real sense that Trump is exhausting, like hearing what he's up to is exhausting. And, and I think it's consistent with the Huffington Post poll that we were just talking about. And it, it makes a lot of sense. It's certainly, it's exhausting for lots of people. And, and so I, I really felt that in the call uh, online. It's something certainly we've heard in uh, in-person focus groups. And then to see it quantitatively in the survey was, um, was pretty interesting. So folks should take a look.
0: So last but not least, we are headed into the 4th of July. Yeah. Let freedom ring. We have some global polling from the Gallup World Poll diving into people's satisfaction with the level of freedom that they have. Right. Uh, and the United States is not at the top of the list of countries of where people are the most satisfied with their personal freedom. It no. does not appear. Um, so in this poll, they just ask the question, are you satisfied with your freedom to choose what you do with your life? The countries that are the most satisfied, Uzbekistan, 97% say they are satisfied. Cambodia, 96%. Denmark, 96%. Finland, 96%. Norway, 95 United Arab Emirates, 95%. Canada, 94%. Iceland, 94, New Zealand, 94, Costa Rica, 93, and Sweden, 93. Has got lots of a uh,
1: pretty diverse list. Lots
0: of Scandinavian yes. representation. Yes, well, that's not a here. surprise,
1: right? They're always the top of all of those, like, are things going well for you? Yes, I'm from Scandinavia. Like, <laughs> they always seem to be at the top of those lists. But Which
0: right before I got here, the reason why I was so hyped up is because Sweden just defeated mexico 3-0 in a bonkers match and at the same time germany and south korea were playing a match and it knocked germany out which is now the fourth time in a row that last time's world cup champion gets defeated Mm. it was crazy it was crazy so it seems as though however sweden let's see who advanced out of group f out of group f we have sweden and mexico so sweden's on this list Um, Iceland did not advance, but they defeated someone in a surprising match. I think that Argentina.
1: So I have another focus group after this one. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I know that it sounds like you're really interested in this. (laughs) This is which
0: is like my favorite thing. Who's
1: getting out of group F is not on my list of questions to ask tonight. Using
0: focus group (laughs) techniques around me. Um, American satisfaction, by the way, with freedom is not that far below Sweden, Costa Rica. You know, those other names I mentioned in the United States. It is at 87 percent, which ties where it was in 2014 and is about where it's been for the last decade. In fact, it is an increase. Um, Of 12 points, the the lowest point was in 2016, where only 75 percent said they were satisfied with the freedom to choose what to do with their lives. Yes. Freedom seems to be on the march. Well, it seemed,
1: I think, from the article, the Gallup story around this, that there was a partisan jump that this was from an increase among Republicans, which would not be surprised given everything we know about everything. And, you know, I have to tell you, I looked for something like funny, like a poll about fireworks or... You know what I didn't look at. Maybe I should. have, was like how much Fourth of July like clothing do you have? Like do you have a bunch of Fourth of July stuff? Like that's always seems to be like a good theme that people buy stuff for. Like how much money you're gonna spend on Fourth of July? I couldn't find any of that. like this there was some somber polling out there. so this was this was the best I could do to end on a light note. Um, so some key findings now. Happy primary day to those who celebrated. I, for one, really love the diverse Democratic candidate field we have going on right now. But the rest of this polling this week is super serious, y'all. And can you take some time off next week? We are going to try and take a little time off next week. We're going to take a break next week, we think. We're going to try. Hope you get to spend some time enjoying being American rather than being exhausted about politics, unless you're from abroad. And we love our international listeners. And you can continue to be excited about being from wherever you're from
0: you can find us on twitter at at the pollsters individually at, at margie O'Meara and at KSoltis anderson at www.thepolsters.com or you can find us on facebook where throughout the week we post links to the stories we might talk about on the upcoming show tell your friends leave a review and we'll talk to you next well we won't talk to you next week well we'll be on twitter we'll be on twitter talk to us there okay. we love you guys bye